Welcome to Writers' Festival Radio. My name is Sean Wilson. I'm the Artistic Director of the Ottawa International Writers' Festival, and I'm broadcasting from the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe. It gives me great pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. Our official bookseller is Perfect Books on Elgin Street, and wherever you are right now, there's an independent bookseller nearby who would be more than happy to sell you some great books. Today, we're bringing you a conversation between CKCU's Susan Johnston and author and poet Nina Burkhout about her latest novel, Why Birds Sing, which came out last fall. After a very public, onstage flameout, a disgraced opera singer is confronted with her crumbling marriage, a prickly and unexpected brother-in-law, and a cheeky parrot named Tulip, and she must learn to whistle her way through it all. Our host, Susan Johnston, is passionate about the transformative power of stories and how they help us better understand each other and our communities. She loves to explore new ideas and places through her award-winning weekly radio program, The Friday Special Blend on CKCU. Here's Susan in conversation with Nina Burkhout. We're here today with Nina Burkout. She's the author of three novels, The Mosaic, uh, which was nominated for the White Pine Award and the Ottawa Book Awards and named an Indigo Best Teen Book, um, as well as The Gallery of Lost Species, an Indigo and Kobo Best Book, and a Harper's Bazaar Hottest Breakout Novel, as well as Why Birds Sing, which is what's brought us together today. She's the author of five poetry collections, including Elseworlds, which won the Archibald Lampman Award. And she hails from Calgary, has lived in a number of interesting places, and is now based here in Ottawa. Nina, thank you so very much for joining us. It's a a real pleasure. Thanks, Susan. I'm really happy to be here. uh, Looking forward to chatting. Yeah, I'm super curious about the the early roots of why birds sing. Could you tell us about some of the the elements that that came to you first? Sure. Uh, yeah, this one uh, this came this one came about in a in a different way than my previous two novels. Uh, I was actually working on something else entirely. I was just uh, you know maybe halfway into a draft of a third novel. Been, had been working on it for quite some time, but it wasn't uh, going so well. Um, my first two books dealt with pretty heavy subject matter, I would say. Um, the, uh, the first one was a story focused on, in large part on, on addiction. And the second novel uh, was about nuclear war, <laughs> in essence. So... Um, heavy subject matter there. And the third story, once again, I found myself going over to the dark side and uh, it, uh, it wasn't working for me anymore. And uh, I, you know, had hit a wall. I was kind of burnt out and a little frustrated. And my partner and I were just listening to music one day and I was voicing my frustrations and something came on the radio. I think there was whistling. Maybe we whistled along and I just joked and said, oh, I should just write a, write a novel about whistling. And uh, he said, you should, actually, that's, an, that's a great idea. And I said, wait a minute. And we made some jokes, but then it sparked something. Uh, and I 
I ran to my computer and started looking things up and uh, it went from there. That was the, uh, that's the origin of, of this, of this story, Why Birds Sing. I learned a lot about, well, I learned a lot about a number of topics from your book, Nina. Um, I'm curious about that, that initial whistling journey and if, um, if it's something that you were also researching for the book, what, what surprised you about that path? I didn't know anything at all about about whistling when I when when I began the story. I think like many many people, either you love it or you hate it. It's something you find extremely irritating, and uh, whistlers can be irritating. Or uh, there are those who who love to to do it. I mean, it, when you think about it, in essence, it's one of the purest forms of sound coming from, from us. Uh, anyone, anyone can do it. You don't need training. You don't need to be a professional musician. If you have uh, lips and teeth and a mouth, you can, you can whistle. You just have to learn how. Um, for me, I, I've always, I've, I've always enjoyed whistling. <laughs> uh, so so for me, it was I was an easy convert. What I didn't know at all, and what I learned through through a couple of years at least of, of learning about the art of whistling, um, because so many there are many professionals and they take it very seriously, and I, I understand why now is that there's technique involved and uh, uh, you know skill. Um, people work for years to master. To, to master this form of music and they take it very seriously. There, are, there is a, a wide community out there who, who meet through forums and who every year, every second year meet internationally um, or in North America uh, and have conventions um, and share their abilities uh, for the joy of it really, the pure joy. And that was also what drew me to it. Um, it's a great contrast with the protagonist of the story. Her name is Dawn, and she is an opera singer. And uh, at the beginning of the novel, uh, she, she has had a great failure on stage. And she has spent her entire life training and working professionally and working very hard and very seriously to try and become an opera singer. Um, but she has a disaster on stage and uh, she's going through a, a bit of a depression. She's isolated herself at home and she's tasked with, with teaching uh, this group of whistlers um, arias. And her world of music is the opposite from theirs in so many ways. So she, she thinks it's ridiculous. She doesn't consider it a form of music in the beginning so for me, really, when I set out and when I began writing the story, I thought, well, for those who don't appreciate or understand whistling, I really, now that I have learned so much about it um, and admire it and love it in so many ways, I, I'm hoping that the readers will feel the same way by the end of the story. Dawn certainly does herself. It opens her, her eyes to and her, her voice. It opens her voice, really. You've got such a lovely contrast there. And I think about the adage that the other is you and think about the, the Dawn's growth 
through the story. And I, I don't want to give any spoilers uh, in any way, Nina. Um, but I'm intrigued about, like, when she started off, her repulsion towards the group of warblers was pretty visceral. And how did you, how did you go about um, taking her on her journey? Well, I think that initially um, she has worked so hard in her career to, to become a professional. And when, maybe I should actually begin by giving a synopsis of the story <laughs> sure, <laughs> for, let's do for that. our listeners. <laughs> I'm just talking randomly about these characters that nobody knows anything about. But um, in a nutshell, the synopsis, this, this story opens with, with uh, Dawn Woodward, our protagonist, who is an opera singer. She's had a disaster on stage. She's a woman in her 30s who's, who's just beginning to achieve some success in the world of opera. And she's had a failure. She's on vocal rest. She took a role she wasn't ready for, and she pushed her voice, and she damaged it. So she's at home. She's on vocal rest. It is her fifth wedding anniversary. She's in her 30s. She's been married for five years. They've been, she and her husband have been struggling to try and uh, have a child, to try and conceive. And so she's at home. Uh, she's frustrated. She's depressed. And at the same time, her husband tells her that his brother is going to come and live with them in the house. Uh, because he has to undergo cancer treatment. And he's coming to the city. He's going to move in into their basement temporarily. And he's bringing his parrot with him. So Dawn is uh, not happy about this uh, at all. She wants to stay isolated. She doesn't want anyone intruding. And the brother is a complete stranger. His name is Tarek. And she's only met him a handful of times. So she's not looking forward to that. At the same time, she's told uh, that part, as part of her contract with the opera con company that she is with, uh, she, needs to, she needs to work with this group of whistlers um, to teach them a little bit about opera. So there are those two things going on at the beginning of the story, and that is how the, the novel opens. Um, so to, to go back to your, to your question, Susan, um, Yes, initially she is. Um, she does not consider whistling to be um, much of a musical form at all. She thinks it's beneath her. Uh, but as she goes to this this class, um, there are there are five whistlers there, a group um, that she teaches and that she works with, and of course they end up teaching her a lot along the way. But they call themselves the warblers. And these five individuals couldn't be any more different one from the other as well. Um, but what brings them together is their love of music, um, their love of whistling and all music. Whereas Dawn, her whole career has been very, very, very focused on being a soprano, on, on opera, and uh, a bit of a narrow-minded uh, approach. When she begins with the warblers, she does not consider what they are doing um, to be worthy of her time, really. They are not musically trained. Uh, and uh, she thinks that she should be teaching a master class, if anything, while she's on vocal rest. The other catch is that she can't whistle herself. So maybe that's a little um, 
why she's not looking forward to this. Uh, there's a fear there. There's a fear of the unknown. There's a fear of um, taking a different path, um, something she's unaccustomed to. She's a serious woman and she's never really had all that much fun uh, as a child. She loved to sing, but as soon as she started training professionally, she lost sight of that. She feels like a failure. She's questioning her career. And she's also beginning to question her marriage. Um, in the beginning uh, of her relationship for the first several years, she and her husband both had extremely busy professional careers and they were both away and apart from each other for extended periods of time. So she, now that she is at home all the time and her husband is not, she's beginning to realize that perhaps they don't know each other quite as well as she had thought. Uh, on top of that, there is a challenge with her mother-in-law who lives just down the street. Um, uh, Dawn's husband and his family are from Pakistan and the family is extremely close. And the, the um, both sons, but in particular Dawn's husband initially takes a lot of um, time with his mother shares meals with her, takes care of her. She's uh, at a loss because the world she has known has now sort of cut ties with her uh, in a sense. She doesn't know if that's temporary or permanent. Um, she's realizing that she and her husband aren't as close as she thought. And she feels isolated from his family. Uh, she has this brother-in-law who's a complete stranger basically in invading her privacy. He's come in with this aggressive, um, unfriendly parrot. Um, at least Don thinks so in the beginning, his parrot named Tulip. And uh, meanwhile, her husband is hardly ever there. And she's teaching whistling to some strangers, though she can't whistle herself. So she is unhappy in the beginning. She's not feeling all that optimistic about uh, the way that life is going. Something I really appreciate about your craft, Nina, is how you um, how you build your characters and just the the amazing variety of let's go with personalities of all kinds that that arrive in the book. How did they? I'm curious if they came to you, if you crafted them. How did that go? They that that as well. I um, this one I had a this. This novel, I think, was the hardest um, to write for me. I had so many uh, false starts. And even once I began on the whistling story, um, I, I think I tried between eight and 10 different approaches to the subject. And I had to start again and again and again because I was trying different voices out and they did not work. Um, I wrote, tried to write from the perspective of an older gentleman whistler, um, from the perspective of a, of a middle-aged woman, um, several different, different approaches that weren't working. However, not, as they say, nothing is ever lost. <laughs> and I think that parts of those stories became the warblers, uh, became those individual whistlers in so many ways. Um, even when I began my research and uh, learning all about whistling, uh, reading about it, listening and listening and listening to it, um, 
going on forums and looking at conversations. Um, I don't know why, but opera came into my mind. Um, and I thought, oh, it would be interesting to contrast the two because they are so different. One of them is theatrical and it's full of, uh, you know, costume and lighting and it's it's like special effects galore sometimes depending on the production and and it's uh it's can be so loud and 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 it's the it's the whistling is um it's opposite in many ways it's just the the voice um and stripped bare really um, but I think that both also share a lot. Uh, opera and whistling do share a lot. They're sort of um, niche and there's a, a smaller, I suppose, appreciation for those musical forms. Again, with opera, you either love it or you hate it, I think. Um, and so I think as well, Dawn on her journey does realize these commonalities. And that's why she, uh, you know, she she ends up uh, uh, learning quite a bit from these individuals who she's uh, she's supposed to be teaching them, but uh, be, it ends up being the reverse in in many ways. Uh, but I avoided that approach. To go back to your question, I, I, I didn't initially write from the perspective of an opera singer for the very simple fact that I am completely unmusical. I know nothing about music. I think I lasted a couple of weeks in piano as a kid and I was scared of the piano teacher's German shepherd. So I didn't continue on. Uh, I don't, I cannot read music. I can't read notes. Um, and the thought of trying to learn that and to pull it off in a novel, I thought I can't do it. It will be impossible. It won't be believable. So I avoided it probably for a good year. Uh, and then when all of my other approaches weren't working, I thought, this is ridiculous. You've known how you should be, you know, how your story in your heart, you know what you want to do, but you're too scared to do it. But just give it a go because nothing else is working. So that is when I began trying to learn as much as I possibly could about the world of opera and music. Uh, that was new for me. Nina, you talk about knowing um, and I'm very intrigued there because you've been writing for a while and writing across genre. Um, how do you know? How does that, how did that process happen for you? That's a very good question, Susan. It's hard to put into words, really. For me, my, my, my stories are, are always character driven. There is not a big plot happening. There's not a lot of action it's the characters that drive the stories that that I write, and I think I, I think I know <laughs> it will continue to be that way for me. Uh, and so, it's a voice that enters your your mind and your your heart, and you, you know, you can try to push it away. You know, it might not be easy, the easiest thing to to try tr try that approach, but um, if it's there, then. You have to, I think as a writer, you need, you owe it to yourself to try and follow that. Um, that's your first spark. And then is all the work. It's not, you don't, as all writers will tell you, I'm sure, <clears throat> you don't just sit down and the voice is there and it flows. It's the slogging and it's the, you know, sometimes a lot of research and, and revising and revising and revising for years until the, uh, 
until you know you, you, you have it to the best of your ability. You've done as much as you can with, with what you were setting out to try and accomplish. But for me, it is, it's the voice, it's the character that is there, that tiny, tiny little grain that's there. And um, you don't walk away from that. It is what I'm learning gradually through trial and error. <laughs> You're both a, a writer and a poet. Um, and I'm curious about how your, your practices with each, um, to what extent do you find Nina that one influences the other or. They do, they do. Um, and again, this is all, I'm, I'm still very much learning along the way. Uh, but I would hope that, uh, because I have written, poetry and I continue to write poetry I'm, I'm writing poetry right now I would hope that um, the poetic line enters my novel here and there I do my best to uh, for me language is important and again maybe that's why my stories aren't plot driven but I do um, I do try to keep things concise and clear and always have poetry at the back of my mind when I'm writing a description or even dialogue, uh, even dialogue while trying to keep it real at the same time. Uh, so I hope that the poetry enters my novels. Uh, and then for the storytelling entering into the writing of poetry, many of my poems are uh, to, do take a narrative approach. They tell a story, even if it's only um, a page long, uh, they, there is a story there. Uh, so writing novels has helped me to craft tighter uh, narrative poetry. What's coming up for you in your writing now? No, I don't, I'm not asking for spoilers here either, but um, if you finished this book a little while ago, then um, where are you now? with your craft I, yeah I'm I'm working on a few things at once and uh, I tend to work um, often in manic spurts uh, so I when this novel uh, when I finished working on it you, you always you often feel at a loss you feel empty and a little bit depressed I find at least at the end of a novel it's like this sad parting with your characters you don't want to say goodbye to them you don't want to face the fact that it's that the story's done and you have to kind of move on. And I always struggle with that. I really do. Uh, so my immediate reaction is to try to dive into something new as quickly as possible, which I've been told by family members maybe isn't the healthiest approach. <laughs> Whatever works, right? But I did do that after this novel. Um, and I I got maybe three quarters of the way through a draft of something new. And again, I realized, oh, this is not, no, this isn't, this isn't, I can't, I can't keep going with this one. I need to set it aside. <laughs> it wasn't working. So that's a tough one to swallow, but um, I did just that and I am writing poetry at the moment and uh, I'm enjoying it. And it's, it's uh, from day to day and it's going very, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I haven't uh, just written poetry intensely 
in a long period of time because my my novels I think I wrote three novels in about 10 years and so it was quite intense and focused on fiction and right now I'm I'm focusing on the poems and really enjoying it. That also sounds like the knowing that you talked about, about what is right for you at a given point in time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you, for me, um, maybe similarly to, (laughs) to Dawn in the story, (laughs) you, um, she, she thinks that things have to go a certain way. She thinks that she has to end up on stage as a professional singer. And um, there are all these outside influences and external um, pressures and voices. Um, and she she learns that that's really none of that's important. None of it matters. And uh, she uh, she just focuses on on the song and on getting her, vo- her, her voice really. Um, and for me as well, it's, uh, I find I write best when I'm not thinking about the end result or what will happen with what I'm writing, whether or not it will even be published. Uh, you never know from one project to the next. Um, and just to focus on the, the writing itself. Would you be open to sharing a piece with us, Nina? Absolutely. I'll just read a short passage from the beginning of the novel and this is when dawn is uh she's she's moping around at home uh in her pajamas and she hasn't left the house in weeks it sounds like pandemic <laughs> but this is pre-pandemic she's still not leaving her house um her husband has gone off to work and has just told her well my brother will be arriving soon so please be there to greet him sort of thing Tying my knotted hair back, I opened the door. Tarek stood at the bottom of the steps with a duffel bag. He appeared thinner and more disheveled than the last time I'd seen him, like any recently divorced man in his early 40s who wasn't taking care of himself. And he had the same stance I'd noticed on every occasion we met, slightly stooped with his hands behind his back, like the elders of opera who paced around on stage in fur-lined robes but did not do much singing anymore. His hair was as thick as Ashraf's, only shorter, and its black was flecked with gray. He was taller than his brother, his skin and eyes darker. I wanted to know how long he planned on staying and the details of his illness. At the same time, I was trying to recall the melody in the dream I'd been torn from. I said hello. He nodded wordlessly as though he were the one on vocal rest. Then I spotted a small carrier in the grass behind him. As I passed him to get a glimpse, he lowered his head and stepped aside. I had expected a songbird, but this foot-tall feathered thing looked more like a pigeon with a raggedy tail and battered wings. Part of its chest was bare, so I could see its belly moving in and out as it breathed. When I crouched down, it lunged and hissed. Who's this? I asked, my voice hoarse. Her name is Tulip, Tarek said. She's a Congo African gray parrot. Oh, I replied. It's good to see you, Don. He said it casually as if we saw each other often. She's normally more presentable, he added of his bird, but she's been under stress since my illness. I stood again. How are you feeling? 
Better now, he said with a half smile. Ash's brother walked back to his car and I watched him struggle to remove a large apparatus from his SUV. As he rolled it over, it made the sound of an empty shopping cart. The jumbo cage wouldn't fit through the front, so I suggested we take it around back. He picked up the carrier and I helped him steer the cage along the side of the house to the French doors. Once inside, Tarek scanned the walkout, resting his gaze on my corner by the bay window. He moved my favorite red armchair and shelf of librettos out of the way and pushed the apparatus in place. Then he left again. When I approached the carrier containing his bird, she shrieked. So I should also add that, of course, part of the story and maybe the heart of the story is that eventually Tarek, while he's going through his cancer treatments and staying with Dawn, um, he and his parrot, Tulip, uh, join the whistling group as well. They go to the class um, because Tarek says that Tulip is a little bit depressed, a little bit down and needs some cheering up. So they go to the, the class with the warblers as well. And it becomes, uh, that becomes the heart of the story of the novel. Such a, a beautiful reflection on the, what it takes to grow and nurture a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, um, that's the other component, I guess, is Dawn realizing that uh, some relationships that she valued um, are maybe not uh, not as significant as she thought. And as her, her time with um, Tarek uh, goes by and she gets closer with him and accompanies him even to the hospital through his treatments, uh, she gets closer to him and his bird and they develop really um, a, more, a much more meaningful, uh, deeper relationship than the one that she has with her husband. And a friendship. The story is about friendship and community, community as well. I think one of my, no, my absolute favorite line in the book, um, and uh, it was in retrospect such great foreshadowing, is um, where Tarek takes uh, a rose that had been given to Dawn and picks it and plucks it and feeds it to Tulip. And I'm just like, go Nina that was amazing yes that was the other thing that I I did research a lot uh was uh was about parrots I have so many books on parrots and on Congo African greys I don't I'm not a parrot owner myself I I I was tempted to go out and get a grey after writing this story though um but there are so many weird and wonderful um eccentricities about these birds they're highly intelligent um, they are musical they can be musical um, and they're fiercely fiercely loyal to their to their companions to their chosen uh, human mate they live as long as we do or longer uh, you know between 50 and 70 years uh, and so tulip uh, Tarek has a, a you know very very strong bond with with Tulip um, and Tulip is protective of him and feels w w that he is going through an, an illness and it affects her as well. It affects the bird uh, and uh, the bird kind of pushes Dawn away initially in trying to protect her, her uh, companion, but that changes and evolves 
to uh, through the story. And Don Don comes around to uh, to being quite fond of of Tulip and Tulip of Dawn uh, in a colorful way. Absolutely, they <laughs> they come to uh, accept and tolerate each other, and uh, and then it goes it goes further than that, of course. I won't, uh, I won't say too much, but yeah. Wow. Nina, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Susan. It's been wonderful chatting and uh, I, uh, I've really enjoyed this. That was Susan Johnston in conversation with Nina Burkhout about her novel, Why Birds Sing. As always, I want to thank you for supporting authors and booksellers through these difficult times. It's always a good idea to buy a book, and of course you can't go wrong supporting local, independent booksellers. Our spring season runs through June, and it's all available online at writersfestival.org, so all you need to do to connect with some of the world's most acclaimed authors is click play. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast and don't hesitate to recommend it to a friend. And if you enjoyed it or any of our virtual programming, please consider making a charitable donation. Your financial support will allow us to continue to bring you the world's most interesting authors and thinkers. This podcast is produced by Aaron Flynn, original music and sound engineering by Mike Dubé. Kira Harris is our program director, and I'm your host, Sean Wilson. I want to thank the Ottawa Public Library, the Government of Canada, the Government of Ontario, the City of Ottawa, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, Carleton University, and CBC for their ongoing support. And thank you for listening. Thank you.